So we're in the book of First Corinthians. We took quite a few weeks on chapter 13. We're moving into chapter 14. It's a long chapter. But Will and we're gonna get through the whole thing today. We're gonna do it kind of quickly. And uh it will be uh, a miracle. Did anybody read the chapter and then any chance? All right, it's kind of some uh tough stuff in there, some could be some confusing things. Uh, potentially we could walk out of here angry at each other and being some of angry see. But uh, Lord willing to be able to make sense of the scripture and it'll be applicable for all so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to dive right in. I'm going to move kind of quickly. And I just again, want to say the things we're talking about today can be very divisive, very confusing. I'm just going to give kind of one perspective, what I believe is the correct perspective, a biblical perspective on it. Um, if there's room, if we have questions and argue, we can do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so First Corinthians, there's 40 verses in the chapter, and uh, real quick, what kind of things do you think of when you hear the phrase building each other up? I said, okay, it's really important for us to be building each other up. What is that? Encouraging, what else? What's that? Praise, compliment, positive, love, loving each other, supporting. Supporting. Okay. Motivating. Is that what you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all those are important. It's going to be interesting because that's, I think, what a lot of us think of. But the scripture is going to give us kind of a, a different view of what building each other up is, I think, a lot of us think. Um, so it would be kind of helpful for us to look at the scripture. So. And this seems like it's kind of out of left field, but here's a question. Why is knowing a language important? Communication. To communicate, right? Uh, what do you need in, if you're in a place where you don't know the language? You need someone to translate it, right? What's uh, handy now is we uh, use our phones, have translator come, all that. So it's important so that we can. And if you can't communicate, what's the problem? Support. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Not connected. Misunderstand, can't work together, all kinds of problems. Um, we need to be able to be clear and understand each other. So that's going to be a big point in this passage is making sure that what is being said is understood. So, uh, just for context's sake, if you remember, we're in chapter 14 and kind of the issue at hand is there's been a lot of chaos in this church but particularly he's been addressing this in the last few chapters remember with the lord's supper they were getting drunk they were rushing in and celebrating it without asking other people and uh, just kind of being selfish about all of that thing they were using their gifts so the idea is that we would be looking at christ and ultimately be conformed to christ not the culture the corinthian church Wanted to look like everybody around them. And what Paul is letting them know is that as a Christian, we're not supposed to look like the world, shape ourselves out of the world. We're supposed to be shaping our lives. Kind of a big idea. Um, and which is very applicable to us today. 
even as Christians, a lot of times we want to look as much like the world as we can and not really be different or stand out. In fact, we do the best we can a lot of times not to stand out. Um, scripture says we are supposed to be different than So in review, the last few weeks we were talking about love, and again, that's in the context of spiritual gifts. Talking about tongues, uh, everybody using their own gift, every part of the body is important. And then he says, pursue what's really important, pursue love. So he talks about the importance of you can do all these things if you don't have love. And then he gave that picture of portrait of love, right? He talks about that. We all know the verses, love is patient, all those verses. Uh, and then he talked about that, you know, faith and hope are going to go away, but love. So we said before, he kind of sandwiches or Oreos the love chapter in between spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts. So today, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, specifically tongues and prophecy today. And the main idea here is those gifts are supposed to be building each other up. Alright. If I had to put this passage, this chapter, in a very small phrase, this is how I would The Bible builds everything. Hopefully that will make sense. Here's the first couple of verses. Pursue love. We just talked about that for three weeks. And desire spiritual gifts. It's kind of the idea to be passionate about spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. So here he's saying, if you desire, you want to be passionate about something, or you really want to use a spiritual gift, desire prophecy. Here's why. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Some of you are going like, yeah, mysteries. I'm already confused. What in the world are we even talking about? How many of you have heard here before of tongues in a church in a spiritual gift of tongues? We've probably all had different experiences. How many here have heard somebody speaking in tongues? Been around that, okay? I was going to put a video on of someone speaking in tongues and I thought it was weird and there's kind of all variations of people speaking in tongues and I just don't want to complicate that. But we're going to hopefully give you guys the biblical understanding of what tongues are. They're in scripture. They are something that's valid. It's not just some foo idea that's out there. There is some biblical merit to the idea of tongues. So uh, we're going to look specifically here first at prophecy. <clears throat> that's the idea in this passage. He's going to keep saying prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. So what is prophecy? Basically, it's a message from God. It's a word from God. That's what a prophecy is. There are typical ways when we think of prophecy. Usually, we talk about someone foretelling the future when we think of a prophet. Well, he's a prophet, right? That is one of the ways that the word prophet or prophecy is used. And there are many biblical examples of that. There are also prophecies where they would have a special new revelation. A lot of the New Testament... We got because God revealed new things to certain men to write down. We 
Apostle Paul. God revealed things to him, gave him something new that hadn't been written before, right now. So Paul was a prophet. Uh, I'm sorry, not an Old Testament prophet, but a New Testament revealing of God. And sometimes, on a very rare occasion, you'll see that the prophets were the ones leading worship. And uh, that's kind of a more obscure use of the word, but it is true. Now, what it seems is these aren't really, when the New Testament came around, that that idea of prophecy did not continue. Okay? So someone may say, uh, um, oh yeah, I go to the church over there and, and Prophet Gary uh, told me blah, 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 blah. Some people put a lot of stock in that. I personally don't think there is, and, and I'm very convinced there's no new revelation, or that those people aren't needing to predict. God has already predicted everything that we need to predict. It's been written down in black and white. But sometimes God, I believe, will give a word for a group of people. So someone may be prophesying in that. So in other words, let's say, um, let's say Joel said, I believe I have a word from the Lord for our church today. And then he could say something. I believe that we need to be careful. Uh, I believe that that's probably happening on occasion. Ultimately, for our purposes, I want us to understand that scripture, God's prophecy is through the Bible. That's how God delivers his people. It's been delivered. He doesn't need someone to come up with some new fangled ideas, some repackaged, some uh, truth of God. It's already been given. And so that's why today I'm focusing on the Bible, the prophecy. When Paul was in those churches, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have all the books we have. They didn't have the book of 1 Corinthians. We have the book of 1 Corinthians. They didn't have the book of Romans. So they were relying on someone coming in, prophesying, speaking the message of God. Now today, there's a big problem with saying, you guys, God told me we need to all sell our possessions and go run for the hills. God told me that we need to all go out and preach on the street corners this week. God told me that I need to whatever it is. That's not, I, I understand that you may feel in your heart that God's giving you a message to God. But the things that you can declare to other people come from here. If you want to declare a message to somebody and speak a word to somebody, it better be from God's word. So in the early church, they didn't have the luxury of having all the new So we need to be careful on the side of the prophet. Uh, you know, uh, Prophet Chuck told me, blah, 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 blah. Be careful on that. And there's thousands of them especially on the internet and YouTube. You know, Prophet Fanny said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Be extra careful about that. The prophecy we receive has been delivered through God's word. We are not the first century church. We are 2,000 years later. Okay? 
So I just want to say that's how I'm getting our application because we could read this chapter. So I don't really speak in tongues. I don't know any prophets. Prophecy is mostly done away with. We already have God's work. So what does this mean? To me? It means we still need God. This is where we get. Okay. So what is speaking in tongues? Prophecy was confusing. In short, it's a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to a believer so that they speak to God, and I'm going to clarify that, in a language previously unknown to the speaker. Now, I feel like just through studying, it's become clear to me, and I believe this is true, that it is the person speaking to God. A lot of times people will call tongues even prayer language. And I believe it is a prayer language. Um, some people say it's biblical today, and that's how we pray, and we can talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about it. But the idea here is that there's a person speaking to God in a real, actual language. So, for example, let's say today you came in here to worship, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began speaking praises and praying to God in Russian. And we had some Russian believers who were here. And then someone said, I can translate that. He is saying, God, you are awesome. God, you are the creator. God, thank you for sending your son to die for us. God, thank you for their forgiveness. God, you are amazing. God, and worshiping God in that tongue, the whole church would be edified if they heard that message that I was praying in Russian as a translator translated that message into or an interpreter translates that message into a language for the rest of the people. If we came in here and I spoke Russian, and I was praying to God even in Russian, the scripture will make clear, no one's really going to get much out of that. You guys will walk out of here going like that. And even if you bring in a non-believing friend, that's the Sunday you decided to happen to bring your buddy. It's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Sorry, it's usually not quite like they would end up going, what's wrong? Or you lost your mind. The scripture we're going to look at addresses that. Exactly. So you can see these things going on in the early church. The early church was a wreck, you guys. They're drinking during communion. They're promoting sexual sin. They're speaking in tongues and promoting tongues. And things are getting chaotic. They have no one trying. You got someone else who's wanted to promise. Like it was, I think, a little bit of a madhouse. So this chapter, Paul writes to go. Corinthians. Let me give you some guidelines. You guys are saved. You're believers, but you need some guardrails. You guys are maniacs. I want you to follow some rules here. So that's what he talked about. And again, if you're like, I don't know about that. Here it is. It's our verse, right in our passage. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, one of my previous understandings is I've been around people speaking in tongues before. I've never understood it. And when, I, when I've been there, I've never heard an interpreter. It's somebody, it almost sounds like a chanting kind of sound. And the way I always understood it would be, Someone, if they did interpret or translate, would say something to the effect of, uh, Jimmy here just said to us that we need to, and it would be a word for us. 
But through study, through the scripture, and even this scripture very quickly, I believe that it is a prayer that someone's praying that ends up edifying others because they are speaking to God and truth to God. Where did I get that? Does not speak to men but to God. One who speaks in a tongue. So it's spiritual tongues because it's speaking to God. And it's kind of like others kind of get to be on the sidelines listening to that <laughs> Are we all on the same page? Anything confusing so far? Okay. This is a passage from Acts 2. I kind of want to read it because this is one of the first uh, examples of tongues in the New Testament. It was that Christ had just risen, or he had risen and then ascended, and then it said the Holy Spirit came upon the people in Jerusalem. And here's what happened. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as a fire sat upon each one of them. So somehow this tongues came upon each of the people there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is something of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Even in this uh, Greek, the word is language. It says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. It's very common when tongues are happening for people to begin getting confused. That's what Paul's speaking against in this chapter. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. It's a real language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are we not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, with Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own languages, the wonderful works of God. I believe those people speaking and praising and praying to God and praising God, the people are hearing it in their very own language. I think it's very clear from the passage it was a real language. Again, you can go on the internet, you can YouTube it this afternoon if you want to go down the dark rabbit hole people speaking in tongues. Say, how to speak in tongues? <laughs> And they will literally do things like this. I like pray over someone and they'll say, okay, repeat out the name of I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm trying to like just be educational. That is what they will do. And if people start doing things, that's not what was happening here. It wasn't that. Ah, it was an actual language being spoken. Now, um, some people in the kind of what was the purpose of it? Is it still active? Some believe it was judgment. Um, and, and that it was totally done away with in 78. God's judgment was basically God's judgment being declared to the Jews that hey, you guys missed the Messiah. And so it was done away with. Is it still active today? We could debate that, go back and forth on that. I personally think that there may be a strange, odd, rare case where in a jungle somewhere, God would allow this to happen. 
I buy large, do not make it a normal active thing in the church today. And I feel like where those that's happening, I think there is confusion with teaching, but I'm not saying it never happens in the 100% ever healing or God can do it. If God wants to allow someone to speak and still be the spirit to pray and know the language for the communication part, he's free to do that. He's not saying nope. But here's some rules on it. Based on our chapter, it all has to be done according to scripture. It can't just be whatever someone wants. Here's my first I might be getting ready to go on some notes. <laughs> Um, it will be a real intelligible language. If you hear it, it's not just rambling. It's not senseless talk. Uh, it would require an interpreter to be done properly. It's going to be done with an interpreter. It's going to be for the purpose of building up other believers. A lot of people say it's just for themselves. And I understand and believe in what God people interpret some of the scriptures to sound, sound like that. Uh, but it looks like that it's all supposed to be happening during church gatherings, not necessarily for the edification of others. Like all spiritual gifts. If I have the gift of giving or the gift of mercy or the gift of teaching, it's not for me to do in my living room. For me, the gifts are for every other thing. We talked about that in chapter where we talked about each body parts with another body. Right? Okay. So do we feel like we have a good solid foundation? We've only got like 10 minutes left. 15 minutes left of 40 verses. So I'm going to move quickly here. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Based on this, what do you think is the main idea? Building each other up, edifying. What he's saying here is the whole tongues thing, that's not as edifying as prophecy. So if we kind of boil that down to us today, it means. Rather than just coming up with some crazy spiritual thing that's going to wow people, I want you to be speaking God's word. I want you to be sharing the truth, scripture, with one another. Things that are solid that people can stand on. That's what's going to build somebody up. So we build each other up by sharing God's word with one another. And again, we, myself included, thinks like, hey, I want you to build each other up. I think compliment. Encourage them. Support them. Be nice to them. There's something to that. But the real way, if you really want to build someone up, give them the truth. That's how we do it. This word edification is actually the word house and dome together. So it's kind of like the idea of putting a roof on a house. It's actually the idea of actually putting something, constructing something, building something uh, that's going to last. So it's contributing in a constructive way to the growth, building up, progress of another. Benefiting or blessing others with something solid. Helping others progress. 
vertically band. Did you know that's a big reason we are to get together every week? It's not just for you to receive a message from God. It is, but it's for you also to contribute to grow building up. But we're all supposed to be doing that for each other. So it's not all supposed to be based on how the sermon was. It's not all supposed to be based on how the singing it's supposed to be based on the body building each other up. And one of the best ways for us to build each other up is to provide each other truth. Let me just ask you this. It's way easier to give a compliment, and I like giving compliments, I like getting compliments. It's way easier to encourage someone, and that's important. Why is it that sometimes we are not building each other up with Scripture? What are some reasons we don't typically do that? Maybe we're not solid on it ourselves. Not comfortable doing it. Sometimes the truth can hurt. Sometimes we're afraid, like, I don't want to mess this up. Yeah. But you're all you're really part. I heard this uh, analogy, I'm guessing it's not a true story, but this guy who worked in a factory for years and years and years, decades, then retired. And as he retired, one of the machines broke. And the machine, uh, they could not figure it out. None of the guys who were there figured it out. So they end up calling this guy who worked there for decades. And they're like, we're losing money by the day, by the hour. We are losing money. We need to get this machine back online. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll be a consultant. I'll come out here and do that. He figured out what the problem was. He says, this is the part. This is the part that needs to be replaced. Um, he replaced this, everything will work fine. They replaced it all, then he sent them a bill for $20,000. And they're like, it was like $5. What in the world is $20,000? He's like, well, I charge you guys $10, put the red X on the plans for the part of where it was, and the rest of the money followed because I knew where to put that red on the thing. And if you've ever been apart, and we got mechanics in here, we've got electricians in here, troubleshooting, we have people that do that kind of stuff for a living, is a huge job. And I will just say with scripture, sometimes someone comes to us and they have a problem or an issue, and we're like, no idea how to apply this to your situation. So I'll just throw out some cliche thing that feels good, that sounds good, and be like, Hang in there. The life gets tough. Tie a knot or a knot or whatever. You know, what, what are some other little cliches we'll kind of throw around? What, only, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's not always true. There are people that are way, way weaker because they've been beat down so hard by life and everything else. They're not stronger. They've crawled into a little bottle and have themselves because of all their troubles. They have not gotten stronger. So we throw out these sayings like, we need to learn how to apply God's word to each other if we're going to keep building each other up. That's something we need to learn. And that's part of why he's saying that's how you build each other up. You provide scripture to each other. Right. And then we are learning that. We'll be stronger and better to get that. You with me? All right. Um, that's kind of my point here. To be practically speaking, People need God's word and God's truth. They don't necessarily need my opinion, my observation, my compliment, my personal sentiment. 
expensive. Right? Well, I think that you should just, well, that's great. Thank you for telling me what you think. And I'm not saying that you should be very Sometimes you only go to new cat. It's like, well, I remember when I was 15 and someone did that to me, I just punched him in the nose and then they left me alone. Is that godly advice? I don't, probably not. You want to be able to give people advice. So when they talk about really building somebody up, this is the way to do it. I'll tell you, just based on real life, people in here, hopefully, as people have come to me with questions, or as we get to talk about one of the things, my goal is always to point people to the Word of God and to that's where the answer is. The answer is not in a new marriage seminar. The answer is not in a new best-selling book. The answer is not on Google. The answer, those may be some quotes, but ultimately the answer is in God's Word, which ultimately is and I do want to say encouragement is vital. I honestly, the older I get, the more important I see that it is to encourage guys. A lot of times I'm in conversations with guys that are just getting their butt handed, whether it's in marriage. And I feel like any victory they have, I want to encourage and just tell them, man, yeah, you messed up here, you messed up here, you messed up here. But doggone it, look at what you did here, give them some encouragement. Encouragement is vital, but I'll just say this, it has to be paired with the truth. What happens if you're just encouraging your kid all the time? You just encourage them all. Spoiled brat, right? They don't end up misled. They'll think everything I Oh, you look so cute. No, you look like an idiot. Go change. Like, I mean, we've got to kind of be able to give our kids some truth. You're not going out. I'm not hanging out with you all day. You look like a lunatic. Uh, they need some truth. And along with some truth, a good job of executing practical dress. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a choice. You want to learn these two things. Depending on their age, you give them tons of encouragement, but loads of truth. We as believers the same way. We need encouragement. But we really just don't just be the wind beneath my wings. That's wonderful. You need some solid ground to stand on, not just some wind beneath your wings today. So let's encourage each other, but let's be sure we're looking to provide truth. And even if you can't provide that truth, you can begin to tell each other. Hey, I'm not sure where uh, the truth is that you need from God's word, but let's start looking at it. Where I know there's some answers to God's word. Do you have any idea what God's word may say about you? Like, you don't even have to have all the answers. Any questions or comments? Is this relevant? It's relevant. It's like, we look at, I first look at this chapter, I'm like, I pray God. Help us to see how relevant this is. It's talking about tongues and prophecy, and as we're going to talk about later, it's talking about women not talking at all in church service and staying <laughs> silent. Like, woo! <laughs> be a chaotic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one's going to be a uh, do it home lesson. Ladies <laughs> <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to wait for Jerry's. <laughs> yeah. I will say 
I believe that there's a very clear understanding of scripture uh, is understood the way if we understood that scripture the way a lot of churches understand that scripture, we would be out of line because we allow them spirit saying well. So therefore, we're not just doing it because we think it's like oh, I'm I believe that there's a cultural reason why he gave that instruction to watch. I don't believe that's just as a few chapters ago we were talking about head covering. There's a cultural significance to that, but we're not telling the women here to call That's how we do We're not going to get there. I'm trying to build up others. What do I base my words of wisdom? Advice and words of wisdom. You're not so wise. Advice and words of encouragement. What are you based on? <clears throat> You're gonna give a buddy who's struggling, a girlfriend who's going through some complicating times. What are you basing things on? Sometimes it is. Which again, I'm not saying it was. I am up, but you may say, like, here's my experience, but I know God's word has an answer. Let's look at that. Let me turn to you. We can do that. Is there a particular subject or area of life I need to be Think about your own sin. What does God's word say about it? And if I don't get my answers from God's word, where, where do I get? Without getting answers from God's word or from God, where do we often go to get our answers? Today, huh? Google, social media, internet, other people, peers. Yeah, and if your peers and all those things, people in your life are following Christ, that may be safe bet. We're supposed to seek wise counsel, but that would be people who are following Christ. I think. So I have a guy I uh, kind of disciple by phone. Um, once a week we talk. He's got a state. Once a week we talk, and we didn't get to talk last week, and so I sent him a message and said, "Hey, sorry we didn't get to talk last week, but we'll have you." This morning I had some time, and I called him. I was like, "Hey, I got a few minutes. You want to talk?" He's like, "Yeah." Yeah, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm having trouble with the kids. Uh, really hoping you would call on Thursday. Uh, really hoping I talked to you, especially Thursday, man. I was hoping you, like, why didn't you call me? He's like, honestly, I thought maybe I was just supposed to wait to check in with God about it before I just reached out. Praise God. Because a lot of times we do, even in a Christian setting, we want to go to somebody. Because me, you don't go to somebody. This is so encouraging. So, we're going to read a couple more verses, then we're going to wrap up. This is, I really thought we could do this. <laughs> You've been here before, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read these verses. <laughs> hey, let's just read the rest of the chapter. And I'll kind of wet your appetite. Okay? Hopefully leave you with like, what? 
But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by sign, or by preaching? Even things without life, whether food or heart, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will you know what is possible? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air, for there it may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. All languages have significance. They're significant because they communicate. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and him who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Just the example I gave. If I'm in here speaking Russian, no one speaks Russian, no one knows what's going on. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, like you guys all wound up about being spiritual gift people, let it be for the edification of the church, so that you seek to itself excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it? In other words, I have understanding underlined here much because the whole idea in this passage is we need to understand what's being said. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, I will also pray with the understanding. I will Sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how would you be occupied with the grace of uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in foreign language. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. And the law is written, but the men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. For all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. In other words, I'm going to give people to hear in their own language, and even then, they're not going to listen. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but for unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Here's where I was talking to them. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and everyone's speaking in tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say, you're out of your mind? So again, if we came in and you invited your friend, and it's like, oh yeah, Carly got up and she had a tongue, uh, she's speaking French, why don't you all see get me on? Or whatever, how are you doing your French things? I don't know. And people, <laughs> some people are like, uh, yeah, you're not going back up, but you guys are a bunch of psychos over there. Scripture says it. If that's what's going to be the outcome of that. But if I'll prophesy, so then, but everyone now is speaking the words of God in a clear, understandable way, speaking scripture, and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. In other words, you start sharing this, 
people's hearts will be with them. And they will be the secrets of their hearts. And they will end up turning Crazy scripture. Long chapter, isn't it? How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, building each other up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. And let him speak to himself and to God. Again, the language between God and the person. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Start paying attention here. We are hung up on the women talking thing. Basically, he's saying, hey, if there's something that's revealed, and then someone else has a different revelation that contradicts that, tip it. During the church service is not the time to start contradicting other people's revelations. So it would be like if I stood up here and proclaimed the truth from God's word, and like, that's not what I heard. That's not necessarily the place to do that. It doesn't mean you don't address it. It means that you're going to maybe be acting confusion. So he says, let the first keep silent. So here's kind of one of our indicators that this isn't, we need to be careful on holding silence. Or you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Do you want to read this one out loud? Just kidding. I told Dia is going to make her read this one out loud this time. Let your women keep silent in the churches. That's bugging people right now that I just read that. You get kind of like, it's God's word, not mine. For they are not permitted to speak. They are to be submissive by the law, as the law calls If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. Do you want me to address this now or next week? Real quickly, real quickly. You always want to look at context, so I'm going to move through this quick, and then I think we will be done with it. I'll go back and ask questions. Um, so we want to look at the context. You need to look at the context of the conversation. Uh, it would be as if uh, you found this note uh, that I had written. You would want to know, and it's like a, a note, and you kind of read it. It sounded like it was very flattering for another woman. And you found it, and you said, this is what you wrote, Rich. And I'm like, here's the context. And I were writing that to my aunt, and she's been going through it. And you'd be like, oh, I got the context. That makes so much more sense. I was freaking out. Thought maybe something shady was going on. And it's like, no, Carly and I sat down. You want context makes all the difference in the world. So, what's this book talking about? What are the problems? They were wrapped up in their culture, not Christ. What did Paul already say about the women during their worship services? He said that they were allowed to pray and prophesy publicly. He said that. When you pray, when you prophesy, have a head covering. So he already just said, it would sound like he's contradicting. But he said, when you're praying out loud, when you're coming, so he didn't say they have to be completely silent in the service 
100%. He said, but they need to wear their head covering to show that they were respecting God's chain of command. So what kind of problems is Paul addressing in these chapters? They're all wrapped up in themselves and that they're selfish, not loving one another. So what's the context of this chapter? He's telling them. The whole Thomas thing is like, do not let confusion run rampant in your church service. You got people speaking in other languages, and three or four people doing this, and someone making a prophecy, and someone arguing against this is yeah. And so what he says is be sure things are orderly. So based on that, it seems that the context of women be silent is based on that situation, that cultural situation. It's specifically for the Corinthian church, not for Paradise Springs Community Church, because of the chaos that was happening. But the principle applies to us all, kind of like I was saying. If you have something that's going to be divisive and cause problems, bring it up outside of the church service. It doesn't mean you have to be perfectly silent and have things. But you don't do it here. And it's specifically in the Corinthian church, it was like women's lid gone wild in the church. And so you would have these a man giving a prophecy, and a woman go, I don't think that's the truth. What? And trying to like take over. And they were dominating these services. And so what he's saying is like, hey, you want to have questions, you want to talk about them. You guys are a mess. And so we can maintain order if we'll ask you questions. Does that make sense, the context there? That's why we allow questions and comments from men and women, kids, whatever, because that's not necessarily the context that we have happening here. And he says, where did the word of God originally come from you? He's not talking about women here. He's talking about the Corinthians. He's going, hey, Corinthians, you guys think you're the boss of everything? You're not the boss of everything. You guys didn't come up with God's word. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things which I write to you are the In other words, you think you're a prophet, your stuff better line up with what Paul But don't come into the church and go, I don't have to follow those rules. Well, then you're not lined up. And again, for us, the application there is we can't do our church services just according to how we feel. We have to do our church services according to what God. Therefore, brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy, to share God's word. I'm not saying for you to go out and make a prophecy today. I'm saying for you, desire, be passionate about sharing God's word with people. And do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Ultimately, we need to be pointing people to God's word. Any arguments? Bring it up after. <laughs> All right, I know that was, I know we went a little long, but at least we got the whole chapter wrapped up. Hopefully, if there's anything confusing, you'll feel free to come talk to <clears throat> Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your son. I do thank you for your word. It gives us something solid to stand on. I pray that these scriptures would not just be something to be confused about or kind of have fun talking about them, but hope, it, hope us to take away. The message that we need to be sharing your word with each other. We need to learn your we need to be applying your word to our lives. Where we have problems and hang-ups and difficulties, help us to search out the answers in your word instead of all the other things that we know. Give us a 
these things in his name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.